You are listening to the QSR Web Podcast. Hello, everybody, and thanks for tuning in to the QSR Web Podcast. I'm QSR Web Editor and your host, Shelley Whitehead, and absolutely delighted you're listening today because we have a couple of guests on board who will help us cover everything from restaurant computer network must-haves to the ups and downs of running a 188-unit chicken-focused QSR in a pandemic-altered world. And that is precisely where we start today with the Richardson, Texas-based Golden Chick Chain and President Jim Stevens. And welcome, Jim. I appreciate it. Thanks uh, for having me. It is a delight to have you. Now, you've been in the president's seat for almost a year now. Is that correct? I've been in the president's seat for a year. Uh, last May, uh, I joined the organization as a franchisee in May of 2018. And you were really sold on it. <laughs> That's right, exactly. So, and you came to um, to the chain from the U.S. division of one of the world's oldest QSRs, uh, Yoshinoya, as I understand it, where you were also president. So can you tell us how you've settled in here and give us a kind of state of the system at this point in time, like the stores you have fully open now and how you fared up to at least March when the pandemic turned everyone's worlds upside down? Absolutely. Well, I started last May, uh, as I mentioned, and we got uh, rolling pretty quickly with priorities and, and plans and uh, strategy for the organization. As a matter of fact, we have a, a, a destination 30 uh, a strategic plan that that takes us to 2030, uh, where we have a goal of 500 restaurants in the system, uh, AUV of $1.4 million. And we were heading in the, that direction uh, up until uh, March 14th. And actually, when we when we hit March 14th, as a brand, we were up about 5% in same-store sales uh, year-to-date. So we were actually uh, doing pretty well leading into it. Uh, so we, we, were, we were in a pretty good position. Um, and we, we do have 189 restaurants in the brand. Um, we actually opened one yesterday in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, that's doing quite well. Uh, through the pandemic and drive-through only and still doing very, very well uh, over the first couple days. So um, yeah, we hit, we hit uh, the 14th where everybody sheltered in place in Texas and we saw about a three to four week uh, significant dip in, in sales. And um, and it was uh, pretty difficult for us and for our franchise community. Uh, we, we immediately reacted to, to that situation. And what we tried to do is we tried to get on the front end of, of, of the pandemic from a decision-making standpoint. We didn't want to, we didn't want to hold back on any, any ideas or any plans that, um, that might uh, cost us uh, two to three to four weeks down the road if the pandemic got worse. And what that, what that means is uh, we started to take uh, immediate uh, um, plans and put those in place. We 
Uh, for example, we, 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 we cut salaries from the executive team by about $600,000 immediately. Uh, we, as a priority, we looked at how we protect our, our employees and, and that was first and foremost. We thought if we took a salary, we could uh, make sure that we don't furlough any employees and that we don't lay off any employees. Um, and that was, that was our number one priority uh, followed by customer safety and, and our franchisee safety as well. So we did that right at the beginning, uh, which paid off for us when we hit that three to four week uh, bottom uh, um, uh, through this pandemic. And over the last uh, two to three weeks, and I think you've probably seen this uh, throughout the industry, uh, we've start, started to crawl ourselves uh, back to the extent that the last uh, couple weeks uh, traffic is actually uh, flat to last year uh, for us uh, last week. And we're also getting a nice, uh, a nice check increase with the home meal replacement piece of it. So um, we've actually, if you look at our sales chart, it's a, uh, it's a pretty big V, but <laughs> where we left off, we've kind of climbed our way back up uh, uh, to this point in time. Now, we don't know what the next one to two to three months are going to look like, but for now, we feel like we've made some good decisions um, strategically that, that are helping us uh, um, navigate through this. Sure sounds like it. And like you said, you, you took that. My understanding is uh, many of your executives, even managers, took some pay cuts voluntarily, right? Yeah, we're, we're our, our our culture is very family-based. Uh, the CEO, Mark Parmley, uh, purchased the organization 50 years ago and has been leading this organization for the last 20 years, the last 30 years, I'm sorry. Uh, so it's very family-oriented. It's a privately held company. Um, we care about our employees. We care about our franchisees. Uh, we care about... Um, our, our, our customers to the extent that we thought if, if we could have a discussion with the executive team and, um, and if people volunteered a pay cut, and we were looking at maybe 90 days at the time, we really didn't know, said maybe we take this pay cut for 90 days. Um, and I brought the team together, uh, the support center and some of the key operators uh, to put them at ease and let them know that their jobs are gonna be safe uh, there's going to be no fur furloughs. There's no, not going to be any layoffs uh, because uh, we've come together and we've taken some some cuts. And once I did that, some of our our key leaders, uh, uh, directors, and and supervisors in operations uh, segment and in the support center, about ten other individuals came forward and said, "Hey, uh, we want to be a part of this. You can take our pay as well." And it's really a leap of faith because we were. We, we said, okay, we think it's going to be 90 days, but who knew at that time what it was going to look like um, moving forward. So uh, we didn't know if we were going to be able to return that money, if, uh, if that was going to extend, uh, what it would look like. So, uh, you, you know, there's, there's interesting impacts that adversity has on, on organizations. And, uh, and, and in this situation for, for our organization, um, it has galvanized us more than 
uh, it has separated us and we've come together and we've, we've tackled this thing. We've made good decisions and we've sacrificed as a team. Uh, so it's, uh, um, it's been a positive experience in a very uh, difficult situation. Do you have any indication of how, um, you know, store employees, some folks, you know, right at the very starting level of the organization have been affected by, you know, what leadership has done? Um, you know, that, like you said, it galvanized everything, but I would think they would be pretty, pretty touched by that. Yes, they they have been, and and although we we are in restaurants differently than we were uh, two months ago, uh, as example, we 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 go in and through do drive through shops, and and um, our stays aren't as long as they they used to be, but we are um, in there engaging our our employees day to day. We also, as an organization, we typically. Uh, uh, we typically do our bonus at at uh, the end of the, the fiscal year for us, um, and we always have an idea of what that's going to look like, uh, as as most organizations do, and and uh, we we budget for that and we accrue for that. Um, but through this pandemic, uh, uh, for our employees out there, we actually um, took that and and basically had a had a holiday in May as we called it so we were able to pay out some bonuses in in May uh, now at the end of the year uh, they're not going to get their bonus because it's it's paid out in May but uh, through this situation when family members are at home and kids are at home and and college kids are at home and and there, there's a requirement for um, uh, for more uh, cash in a household uh, to take care of uh, uh, the the children uh it's important to to at least look at it like that and um and do what you can to help folks get by at least through the next 90 days now as we emerge into the new food service world post pandemic um post pandemic business restrictions not post pandemic of course but what kind of changes will golden chick keep or make going forward uh to its business model and why? Well, I think this is going to have a lasting uh, impact to uh, to the industry, uh, to QSR. Uh, we've over the last over the last six weeks, we've we've adopted gloves, we've adopted uh, masks, we've put up uh, uh, sneeze guards, if you will. Um, uh, uh, between the customers and and the employees, uh, the sanitation checks that that we do uh, every 15 minutes uh, in the organization, uh, you know, we thought we were pretty darn good from a, a sanitation standpoint two months ago. Uh, we are exceptional uh, today, and I don't see that that uh, that those things are are going to go away. I think that uh, that the customers uh, that come into our organizations have uh, accepted a new reality and have accepted a new expectation. And uh, that, that contactless or semi-contactless service is probably gonna stay for, uh, for us moving forward. And we'll see what it looks like uh, from, a, from a, a, a takeout, a third-party delivery, and a, 
in a in an eat-in standpoint. Right now, we're getting the majority of our business through the drive-through, as as most are, um, and it's it's also put some pressure on the drive-through, and it's required us to um, uh, to 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 focus on that execution uh, uh, more than we have been in the past. But I think I think we're going to come out of this. Uh, and some of these things that we've adopted are going to stay with us for, for quite some time. Um, no, no technology changes as far as the, in order to handle that extra online ordering load and that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Now we've, we've, we've had a good infrastructure in place um, that's been able to handle that load. So it's not going to be new technology for us uh, necessarily. Uh, however, uh, we have implemented a, uh, a contactless uh, pickup with our, uh, with our app. So um, we will bring that, that product out to, to the car. Uh, we will deliver it in the car um, uh, for those individuals without them getting out of the vehicle and, and picking up their product. And, and again, that's something that'll, that'll stay with us. Uh, the interesting thing about having a drive-through is uh, for the individuals that come to us, that is the primary uh, source of, uh, of of delivery for us. So um, we haven't had to uh, uh, to adapt too much uh, from a technology standpoint because we've had that infrastructure in place. Well, that's good. Um, so you know, a lot of executives that I've talked to lately. Like um, I'm thinking of like Francis Allen at Checkers and Rallies and James Walker at Nathan's Famous have said they kind of see a second coming of the great American fast food love affair in the year ahead when people across the nation will kind of seek the comfort of chicken sandwiches, burgers and fries and all that other kind of quick surf fare over say the health-oriented dishes that were gaining so much steam pre-pandemic. Do you agree with that? Uh, and what do you think that means for this brand and its menu? Yeah, that's interesting because we do have uh, we do have healthy options uh, in our brand. Uh, Zagat Award-winning chicken salad. Uh, we've got uh, a salad line for us. We do roasted chicken. Um, it's very healthy, but uh, people come to us for uh, for the chicken tenders and the chicken on the bone um, and uh, in that product line. So it is. I, I do think they're on to something because it's, uh, much as grocery stores um, have provided for uh, our customers and our communities through this pandemic, uh, QSR has also done the same. So we've got the the QSR community and the employees of, of of that community that are out there wearing their masks, wearing their gloves, uh, working to service those community and provide uh, provide food. So I think that there there will be a different level of relationship between the consumers and 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 fast food or, or QSR. Um, and I think we have uh, certainly endeared ourselves to. Uh, uh, to that community, and it's important moving forward as well. Um, you know, we expect to to come out of this uh, uh, this situation strong. Hopefully, we've had uh, 
the QSR community's had new users. Uh, we certainly uh, feel like we've had new users through through this as well. Um, but we expect it to um, uh, to be very positive as we move forward. Do you think the chicken category will continue to kind of percolate new kinds of super sandwiches like the crispy chickens of the past year? And if so, how is Golden Chick joining the fray? Well, we are jumping in. Um, <laughs> yes, we are jumping in. Surprise, surprise, right? Um, so there has been uh, um, a pickup in, in uh, uh, chicken and chicken sandwich. Uh, and on May 25th, we will be releasing our uh, big and golden sandwich. It'll be available in all of our 189 uh, restaurants across the system. So we, we have a, uh, a chicken tender sandwich that actually does very well. Um, but this is a, uh, a nice uh, filet uh, with, uh, with, with pickles and our lot of zing sauce and on our uh, on our current uh, rolls that we we bake in house, so we expect that to do very well. That'll kind of lead our 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 summer uh, coming out of uh, our current promotion where we've added uh, uh, shrimp to our to our our Lent menu, and then we've got some exciting stuff on the calendar for uh, third quarter and fourth quarter. So we went into this year with a goal of being up five uh, percent in in same store sales and. You know, by gosh, that's that's our goal, and 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 that's what we're going to shoot for. You still think it can be accomplished? I think that uh, the back half of the year is going to be uh, really solid for uh, QSR. I really do. So I don't know what it's going to look like when um, when the restrictions come off completely and folks can get out into their favorite. Um, uh, casual dining restaurants and 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 purchase their um, their favorite drink with their their food, um, but I think it's going to be slow, and I think that ad adoption is going to be is going to be slow, and I I think what the QSR industry and and what we've done over the last uh, uh, sixty days is going to be fruitful in the back half of this year. I'm I'm convinced of it. Uh, and I think that it's going to it's going to turn into a a nice 2020 uh, and potentially even a better uh, 2021. Even when we look at at it from a development standpoint, uh, our pipeline hasn't slowed, uh, and we've got a remodel uh, program, and uh, our franchisees are are continuing to to remodel. They're continuing uh, to build. So, you know, through this whole through this whole pandemic, we went into it with a, a strategic plan and, and we've stuck to our strategic plan. And, and I, I expect that uh, we're going to achieve our goals uh, in 2020. So just um, can you let us know what, how many, how many stores you're thinking of adding this year? We should, we should be somewhere between 25 and 30 restaurants this year. Um, and that will be, uh, about 15% uh, uh, growth uh, for the organization. Uh, last year, we we were about we achieved about a 10% 10% uh, growth. So um, this year, although the pandemic has delayed uh, 
uh, some of our development a little bit. Uh, we, we're still going to be on track uh, for that development. And it's also allowed us really to focus on the pipeline for, for 2021. And I think next year uh, will probably be a record year for the brand uh, around 35 and 40 restaurants opening. Wow. Um, well, that's encouraging news. Now, the last thing that I have to ask you is kind of to have you maybe name the single biggest strength of this brand, particularly in this new new normal, the thing that everybody hates to say, um, and, and what you see as maybe its greatest challenges going forward right now. Yeah, our 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 biggest strength is. Um, our employees, our, our, our employees and franchisees, the, the family orientation. Um, we started off this organization uh, 50 years ago as a local community uh, a restaurant. And we still have that culture out in our communities today. So I think one of the reasons that we have done really well um, coming out of this uh, 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 pandemic and assuming at some point we are coming out of this pandemic, but, um, but we are, we are rooted in our communities. We do a lot of work in our communities. Uh, we are not, um, a, a, a large, uh, organization. Uh, there really is a community face to, uh, to our restaurants, uh, and, uh, and, and to our city, city councils and, and to our fire department and police and, and uh, healthcare workers, so I think that's really helped us um, uh, through this through this whole piece. So it is that culture that uh, that attracts franchisees and um, and and keeps our franchisees uh, happy and moving forward, as well as the employees in this organization. And and from a the biggest challenge, uh, there's a couple of them. If I look at my biggest challenge uh, uh, today. Um, it's probably uh, the workforce and um, and maintaining a strong uh, workforce uh, and managing through some of the unemployment challenges uh, that are that are out there, um, as well as um, you know navigating through uh, uh, the PPP and um, requirements of the PPP. We were. We were lucky enough to uh, to be a part of that, and it's 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 helped us substantially uh, with uh, with with no furloughs or layoffs, and and it's important that that we manage to that uh, requirement as well. And then, if I look at the landscape for us over the next uh, 24 months, we are a Texas brand. Um, we're in Oklahoma. Uh, we're in uh, Florida, South Carolina. Uh, we're in Louisiana now, but we have development agreements for um, for uh, Nevada and and moving into Phoenix and and moving into Arkansas and moving into Tennessee. So um, I guess that'll be the biggest uh, strategic challenge for us is is how do we how do we take a Texas brand and and go uh, go regional with it. Well, you do. Like all things Texan, you go big, right? That's right. Exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
Jim, thanks so much for joining us today. It's been a real delight. Um, Jim Stevens is president at Golden Chick with 189 stores. I stand corrected in the hotly contested QS or chicken category. And next up, we get the latest on the computer system must-haves for today's dramatically altered restaurant business environment from Neturian. So stay with us. So we're back now, this time with a special guest from restaurant secure network provider NetSurian, which as many listeners know, provides a purpose-built platform and service to help QSR operators manage their networks, including security, Wi-Fi, PCI, and cellular failover connectivity. NetSurian Senior Vice President Sales, Mark Klein, has more than 15 years experience working with all sorts of restaurant businesses to shape their network security and PCI DSS compliance strategies in ways that will grow their businesses and reduce costs. So welcome to the podcast, Mark. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It is a delight. Now, the restaurant industry is seeing a very drastic shift in consumer behavior with restrictions to mainly touchless delivery, drive-through, and curbside pickup. So does making that shift successfully pose any technology challenges for restaurants? Yeah, I think it does. I mean, I think it's just in general new technology. And anytime you add new technology to an environment, there's a couple of things. There's risk. Um, there's also, will it work? How do I connect it? Um, so yeah, there certainly is um, some challenges there. And um, just understand the new technology, how it's going to fit in the current platform. Is it going to um, disrupt the current technology in the, in the restaurant or is it going to conflict? Sometimes you don't know how that's going to um, work unless you get the new technology integrated properly. So I think, um, you know, we've seen a really a mad rush in this, in this contactless payments and contactless touch um, for curbside. So um, eventually, you know, kind of a step back to understand, okay, is it properly configured? Is it properly set up once the, once the rush is slowed down a little bit? But um, anytime you add something new to that type of network or restaurant, there's always that risk there. Um, and the other thing is, how does it connect, right? So if you're adding tablets or um, outdoor credit card processing, you know, the, the big connection is, well, how does it connect? What In what world do I connect to? Is it through my phone? Is it through Wi-Fi? You know, that's the biggest question is, um, how do I connect these new applications, this new technology? So um, certainly a lot of challenges. Um, and think of just in general is how are things all going to intertwine and interconnect with the current structure of a restaurant? So a lot of virtually moving parts, so to speak. Um, mm -hmm. Can you explain some of the new needs that restaurants might see in a post-COVID-19 world? Um, yeah, I think uh, first is, I think, general cost, right? I think looking at current structure, um, you know, what are the dollars we're spending today can we cut cost in certain areas, right? Um, looking at the total P&L from a restaurant. If you're not looking at that the next six, nine, 12 months, uh, you probably should be, right? Um, so I would think one general general cost, um, and then um, new technology to digital digitize the restaurant, right? How do we make it easier, smarter, faster to 
work in the you know the new normal post-COVID? Um, is it digital menu boards? Is it kiosk? Is it you know creating that um, curbside pickup to to really more enhance and and have a better speed of it? Um, all those things will kind of come into play and in, in how that becomes a reality um, post-COVID. But again, I think the the largest thing is cost, right? You kind of got to look at everything you're doing today and understand, you know, what can we do to enhance, but also reduce overall expend on this. Uh, you may be able to eliminate some pieces of the network within the restaurant that um, uh, may not be performed as well. And you may want to put those dollars into advancement, some other new technologies that you would want to put in place. But at the same time, it's also um, kind of going back to the comment of taking a step back once you implement new technologies, right? You kind of have to look at, okay, we've, we've put in this new technologies to figure out how we keep our restaurant open and running. You need to take a step back. Okay, how, did I properly configure these? Are they set up the right way? Are they secure, right? A lot of times they jump head first into a new technology. You sort of forget about the back-end security functions. Um, are they configured properly? Are they set up on the IP scheme? You know, a lot of things to consider there once you add new technologies. So um, yeah, I would say one, kind of looking overall cost and two, kind of step taking a step back on the new technology that's been implemented to make sure it's properly secure and segmented properly in your network. How significantly can SD Branch reduce restaurant technology cost? Yeah, so our, our solution, um, SD Branch, we, it, it's really purpose built for the restaurant space. Um, we've been servicing the space for many years, um, came to Marco the solution several years ago that um, um, really kind of takes the overall network security functions and, and boils it down to, okay, what do you really need at a restaurant? Um, and we look at a holistic approach of, well, how are you processing credit cards? How are you processing general data? What's the network structure look like? And then we build it from there. But the biggest advantage is, is kind of consolidation and overall cost. Um, we built a hardware solution that bundles in a, a managed network firewall, um, Wi-Fi, built-in cellular failover connection for redundancy. Um, and it's been purpose-built to kind of uh, service that market um, and, and also um, provide visibility as well. We have a, a cloud orchestration tool where Restaurant owners or managers can log in and see real-time analytics of their stores if the multiple stores impact downtime outages. Um, if their ISP goes out, they can be alerted. A lot of different functions that a restaurant owner or manager would want to see and, and have. Um, but the biggest, um, again, the biggest kind of advantage is, is cost. I mean, when you look at traditional network security and um, bundling different hardware solutions to kind of achieve one goal, We've built a solution that kind of combines all two or three of those functions into a really a nice package and a service that services the restaurant space very well. Wonderful. Um, well, you know, I have to ask, what about security and the implications of moving away from the traditional technology model? Yeah, I think I think over the years, restaurants as a whole, you know, it, it kind of. I guess piecemeal technology, right? You you see a problem, well, you add a new piece of technology or service to fix it, and then you know six months later you find something else new, you fix that with a new service or technology, right? So you're over the years you've kind of added on technology for you know, three, five, ten years at a time. Where at now you get to the world of okay, now we want to digitize, we want to add new technology, we want digital menu boards or security cameras or kiosk or whatever it may be 
now you've got this infrastructure where you've you've added these new technologies and it's you know sometimes uh, multiple routers and firewalls and cables and you know a mess in a, in a restaurant so i think the traditional model is kind of you know fixing the problem as you go and then as you get to the new age of okay we want to consolidate um, reduce the hardware footprint in our restaurants um, and really have a platform a stable platform uh, to secure and also um, protect you know customer data employee data um, by combining those solutions into one or two vendors versus having maybe four or five vendors out there um, that's what we're seeing in the marketplace a lot of consolidation um, but also looking at the current solution saying you know what can we do without do we need this piece of hardware or can we combine into one and sa save some dollars and spend that on a new technology for the drive-through for example so i think the shift and change is kind of looking holistically what we have today as a network security or just general technology in a restaurant and really looking three five seven years down the road to say you know, what do we want to plan for? What new technologies do we want to implement to help grow our revenue, um, expand our brand, um, and then you know, ultimately make more money? Aha, uh -huh. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. This, Mark, has been extremely helpful information, and I greatly appreciate you joining the podcast today. Mark Klein is Senior Vice President Sales for NetSurein. And that will close another podcast for us this week. We hope you took away usable news and information that you have a great rest of the day.